Hey, what's up? Welcome to the Alley Arts District. You should be standing on the corner of 3rd and Traction in Joel Bloom Square, which is really more of a triangle. This is the heart of what is known as the Arts District. Go ahead and take a look around you. On the weekends, you'll see plenty of people out and about. And no matter what day you're here, you'll see art on almost every surface. Go ahead and explore them while you listen. This is one of the few neighborhoods in LA where there's a real street life and it's animated by local artists who live and work in this area. But I'll tell you one thing, it wasn't always that way. I'm a street artist and my name is Nuke and I've been hanging out in this neighborhood since I was a graph kid back in the 70s and 80s. Back then this neighborhood was rough and run down but artists like myself helped change this place and this place also changed us. Today I'm going to show you how. First, take a closer look at the phone pole on the corner of 3rd and Traction. See how it's covered in stacks of old tires? This is actually a piece of street art. Walk around the pole until you find glass bottles stuck into the rubber. You see the faces? The bottles are the eyes. I don't even know what artist put it there or how long it's been there, but no one has messed with it. A lot of the art around here doesn't have an artist's signature or date. It could have been put up 20 years ago or just this morning. Here in the Arts District, the past, the present, and future are layered on top of each other and exist all at the same time. Artists often paint and tag over each other, and sometimes that can create some problems. Okay, let's take a look at some of the art I do know more about. With the telephone pole at your back, watch for traffic and cross the street heading towards a sign that says Joel Bloom Square. It's covered in stickers and tags. No surface is spared in the Arch District. After you've crossed, head to the Joel Bloom Square sign and stop there. When Joel Bloom moved to the neighborhood in 1986, it wasn't called the Arch District. People just knew it as the Warehouse or Lofts District. Hundreds of artists had just moved here for the live work space, and he saw a spark here, a neighborhood ripe with culture, ready to ignite. There has always been a rebellious and even lawless aspect to what we do as street artists. This goes all the way back to the 70s, when artists first came to the neighborhood and started squatting in the empty warehouses. At first, it was illegal, but so many people moved here that the city passed an artist-in-residence ordinance in 1981. Thanks to those original artists, the old architecture is still here because they kept up the buildings that may have been otherwise torn down from disuse. Walk a few more feet and stop in front of the metal facade you will see on your right. You're outside of Lily Lakesh's neon studio. You can see her neon Mona Lisa above the door. Lily is one of those original artists. She went to Pratt in Brooklyn and moved to LA in 1968. She says that all the lights and visual clutter of LA gave her lots of ideas for her neon art. You can ring her doorbell. If she's around, tell her Detour sent you and she'll let you in to check out her amazing art. Ask her to see the Volvo P1800 all the way in the back. It's a real car she rolled into her studio that she's surrounded with neon flames. Man, it looks dope. Go ahead and pause me and ring the bell. Meet me back outside when you're done. Okay, are you back outside now? Keep walking in the same direction you were going to the corner. You'll stop there. I always wanted to go to art school like Lily, but it wasn't in the cards for me as a young Chicano kid in East LA. My idols were Diego Rivera and David Alfaro Siqueiro, but my mom never wanted me to pursue art as a career. And my school counselors didn't encourage art school either, 
so I started skipping classes to do graffiti or go bombing. Let's stop here at the corner. Look across the street to your left to the low brick building. You'll see the hipster sausage restaurant, Voiskuche, and a wall with wolves painted on it by Kim West. The title of that piece is Welcome to Hollywood. Kim is pretty new around here. You'll see her paintings all over Instagram. I know it's hard to believe looking around now, but when I started coming here in the 80s, things were really rough. The city didn't put much money into downtown, and there were a lot of homeless people and drug addicts on the street. I came here to paint because it was a place where you could make art and bring beauty to a blighted area. But not everyone understood what we were trying to do. Back in 1995, my friends and I were painting that wall you're looking at. We actually had permission from the owner, but some neighbor called the cops on us. Next thing we knew, we were handcuffed and up against that wall for hours. That was only the first time I got arrested for doing something I felt was right, making art. You can see a picture of us getting arrested that day on your phone. That wall is the same one across the street from you now. Look behind you at the corner store. This is where Joel Bloom opened his general store in 1994. It was one of the only businesses in the neighborhood, so it became a meeting place for the community. If you look into the back wall where the fridges are, that's where Joel used to sit at the register. He'd yell, what do you want? At anyone that walked in the door. He seemed like a jerk, but I think he was testing people. You had to be tough around here with all the drug addicts running around. When it came down to it, Joel cared about cleaning up this neighborhood and making it beautiful like I did. He got the city to call it the Arts District in the 1990s, hoping that the name would attract new people. Joel died in 2007, but he would be excited to see all the nice businesses and families walking around the streets now. If you're facing the front of the corner store, turn to your left and cross the street. We're going across to the next corner. Watch for traffic and stop when you get to the other side. Turn around and look back at the corner you came from. That four-story painted brick building is the American Hotel. It was full of artists. I mostly got my art education from the older artists who had their studios around here. One of them was Peter Greco. He was my neighbor when I lived south of here. Now he's in his 60s and he's still doing street art. On the side of the building to the right of the red awning, you'll see a mural with strokes of gold, red, and black and white that look like calligraphy. That's a classic Peter Greco, and he's here to tell you about it. Thanks, Nuke. I've been a lettering artist for 38 years, but it's my street art that I'm really proud of. Doing street art to me, it's a mixed thing. It's the most fun you can ever have. But it's also like, almost like war to me, because I'm ready to die. When I'm painting that, this is like my final act on Earth, and if that's the last thing I do, I'm happy. Look closely at the mural. You see any letters in there? How about words? Go ahead and take your time. They're there, trust me. Most of my work is just forms based on letter parts, but I also sneak in messages whether people ever see them or not. Sometimes I don't even remember what I wrote. So go ahead and cross the street and look at the wall, look at the black letters, and see if you can find the words Dia de los Muertos, which means Day of the Dead. It was the Day of the Dead when I painted that. As a street artist, I call myself Toltec. 
You can see that painted in the bottom right corner. As a Toltec warrior, death has a lot of meaning. It comes with the west wind and at twilight time every day. So I celebrate death every day at twilight. This wall on the American Hotel has been a spot for graffiti for 30 years at least. It's kind of a famous wall. It, it was a big honor for me to do it. I'm really glad you got to see it, but in months from now, it could be painted over and a new piece of art could be there in its place. Thanks, Peter. To your left is the red awning over the entrance to the American Hotel. Walk over there and stop again. The American Hotel was built in 1905. Back then, it catered to African-American railroad workers and entertainers because most other downtown hotels were segregated. I lived at the American on and off in 1993 and 94 when it was an SRO, single residence occupancy for people without a lot of money. My neighbors were other street artists, musicians, and transvestites. You never knew what you were going to find happening in the halls. In that first level, there was an old man that was an artist that was constantly cooking. He was cooking food every day. If you knocked on his door and you were nice enough, he'd actually give you something to eat. That was the American Hotel. It was a place where I felt accepted and I met the people who would become my second family, my crew. I'll introduce you to them in a little while. Okay, walk to the next doorway with a red metal gate and stop. The street number out front should say 305. This was the entrance to a place called Al's Bar. If the door is open, you may be able to see inside where they are currently doing construction. But who knows, it could be finished by the time you get here. Al's was a legendary punk club that closed in 2002. Everyone from the Misfits to Nirvana played here when they were coming up. But it was also a haven for us street artists. The outer walls were usually tagged by members of my crew, UTI. Laugh all you want, but UTI stands for Under the Influence. To us, it means Under the Influence of Art. Go ahead and check out the art on the wall now while I tell you more about Al's. The two regular bartenders we knew, Stacy and Wendy, watched us grow up and always greeted us with a free pint. At that time in 1990-91, the hip-hop scene was picking up and the club gave us a night to do our own thing. We had rappers or bands from our crew play like Social Justice and Downset and put up our art. It gave us validity in our life. It made us feel like we were important and then that space needed graffiti. No gallery would allow you to tag in their walls and Al's Bar allowed it and nurtured it, almost wanted it. As a band or as a street artist, leaving your mark at Al's Bar was almost as important as playing there. People knew that you came there and you rocked. Okay, keep walking and stop when you get to the parking lot on your right. Al's has been replaced by other kinds of spaces for artists that we're going to see later. You'll see an ATM with a bunch of tags and stickers on it. The parking lot will come right after that. Stop at the parking lot and look inside. Welcome to what I call the littlest art school in Los Angeles. I remember seeing this parking lot for the first time and thinking, one day, I'm going to paint those walls. That was way back in 85 or 86. I've been coming down here that long, and eventually I painted my dream wall. Go ahead and walk halfway in toward the back of the lot. Look, you see to your left, on the 
bottom of the titled Fire and Ice. You see the script, UTI? The first lesson at UTI School of Art is our tag. To be a member of the crew, one of the first things you have to do is master that. As you walk around the neighborhood today, keep an eye out. You'll start to see it everywhere. We may not own anything around here, but we're as invested in this neighborhood as anybody else. Find the spots where some of the paint is chipping away. On the wall to the right of the lion and panther. You see how many layers of paint have been on this wall? You could almost count them like rings on a tree. That's how long we've been painting here. Okay, now look in front of you at the very back wall. That's been my wall for 10 years. You can see my name right there on it, written from left to right in big letters, Nuke. I had to make people aware of my work on the streets by putting up my tag for at least a year before I was finally asked to be an official member of UTI in 1988. Take a look at the Viking on the right side and the silhouettes of men holding spears. Silhouettes are my signature. To me, we're like Vikings out here. We've had to use muscle to claim the territory and police it. Artistic muscle mostly, but also some force. When I was working on this piece, I'd bring my daughter here in a stroller and there'd be needles, beer bottles on the ground, you name it. People didn't come to this spot from the 70s to their early 90s because of the attics and rough streets. Our crew's presence helped change that. We made a difference. We helped enforce some kind of order to this chaos. In the last few years, I've taken ownership of this parking lot for the crew. It's important for me to hold down this spot and keep it nice. Okay, now turn to the wall on your right. It is filled with a large black and white piece of graffiti writing. Notice the colorful tag on this wall toward the bottom right. Go ahead and walk over and take a closer look. That piece was done by one of our founding crew members, Dash One 2000, rest in peace. It was his last piece before he passed away from cancer. So we've left it up as a tribute. You can see the rest in peace above the tag. Okay, take a look at the giant piece on the side wall of the American Hotel. Take in all the layers from the background to the finishing touches. These days, I'm the curator of the walls of the hotel. It's one place I can really say I've accomplished my goal of bringing beauty to blight. This piece was a collaboration between me, El Mac, and Coffee. They are both living legends. Look at the architectural drawings in the background. That's a classic Coffee. And El Mac painted the proud Navajo woman based on his friend's grandmother. We're always trying to portray people that don't usually get much glory. And me? My work is the collection of downtown LA buildings and bridges in the bottom left corner of the wall. You can see I've painted silhouettes of the ghosts of the American Hotel. And they might also be the ghosts of my grandparents. One day, my dad walked by here with me and he was looking at the building going, you know what? He goes, I lived here. <laughs> That's his, his exact words. And I go, you did? I thought you guys uh, lived up in Bunker Hill. He says, no, well, we moved to Bunker Hill after, but when the, your grandparents first got here, they walked down from Union Station to this place. As I know because I ended up coming six months later with your Tia Emma, and we lived here. For a family coming from El Paso off Union Station, they could have picked any of the places to live, but they chose that one, you know, and maybe they chose it because of me. Who knows? Yeah, it's it's that's why I painted the ghosts on there. <laughs> Cuz they're in and around that place. Yeah. All right, let's exit the parking lot.
turn right and keep heading down this street in the same direction as before. Keep the black warehouse with colored patterns painted on it to your left. That's ArtShare LA. ArtShare was founded in 1997 as a place for local artists to live, work, and exhibit. The average rental rate for a loft in 1990 was 25 cents a square foot. Today, it's pushing $1.35 a square foot. That's why ArtShare built a spot where low-income artists can still work and live. If the garage door is open, you're always welcome to stop inside. Keep heading down this street in the same direction as before. All right, when you reach that corner, turn right. Keep walking with the city parking garage on your right. You'll see a circular mosaic on your right here. Back in 2002, a guy named Daniel Dodd collaborated with high school students from Roosevelt High School to produce three ceramic tile murals. The whole thing was sponsored by ArtShare. All of them were installed on this same city parking garage in hopes of beautifying it. By 2002, even the city was starting to catch on that putting public art around here was a good thing. Keep walking with the city parking garage on your right. Coming up on your right, after the parking structure, will be a one-story warehouse. That whole building is painted in one giant mural by the artist Risk. He's another legend in the LA street art game. He's been working for over 30 years. Now that you've seen one of his pieces, you'll recognize him on other buildings in this neighborhood. He did the front of Arch District Brewing as well. You'll recognize this piece when you see his big, bold colors washing down the wall. I like to think that UTI has always been on, on the cusp of doing something new, and it ain't always popular. People didn't like to do artsy stuff like that. It was sometime in 2002, we tried something new. And so we had large swatches of these buckets, and we did this whole dripping thing. And everybody was like, ah, oh, you guys are all so artsy and stuff. Six, seven years later, Risk is doing the same thing, you know? Let's keep on walking to the corner. When you reach the corner, watch for traffic and cross to the other side where you can push the button for the crosswalk. Now that you've crossed, push the button and wait for the walk signal to cross to the other side of third. That's the street you've been walking up. Turn to your left and walk back down third street to where Archer was. Keep the chain link fence on your right. On your right is a warehouse that was under construction when I was there last. They gutted the inside, but my homeboy Black Light King has painted the whole outside of the building with some other members of the UTI crew. Hopefully, the new building owners have decided to keep the production up and is still there for you to see today. If they're smart, they will appreciate the free art. You should see a dragon and a geisha painted on the wall. And of course, our UTI tag. Keep walking the same direction you were going down for it. The production is Japanese-inspired because you're on the border of Little Tokyo right here. Black Light King cased that building for weeks before painting there. That's something we used to always have to do in the old days, when there were more abandoned buildings around. You'd watch the building for a few days to make sure that no one else was keeping an eye on it. Then come back with a couple members of the crew. We'd each take turns painting while the other dude served as lookout for cops. I got arrested four times over the years, but a lot of other guys have had it worse. There was a long time in the 80s and 90s that cops associated graffiti artists with gangbangers and treated them that way. Some guys I knew were in gangs, but the street art really wasn't a part of that, especially not for us UTIs. Yeah, I did some crime, but it was usually just so I could do my art. My friend made my name Nuke, an acronym, 
Never underestimate the criminal element. Yeah, I was young and innocent looking, but that would help when I'd go into art stores and steal all sorts of supplies because I didn't have the money to buy paint. I know that's not cool now, but I was doing what I could do to further my art at the time. Keep walking down 4th Street. When you're across the busy street from the art chair building, stop and look closely at the phone pole to your left just past the yellow fire hydrant. You'll see a metal circle hammered into the wood. That's a street sculpture by Blake Shane. All the metal he works with is from found objects like colanders. This one looks like it was a pie plate. He uses a lot of nails to make it hard to take down. Keep an eye out around the neighborhood and you'll see a lot of Blake's other pieces around. Now turn to your left and face the art chair building. The art on that building was done by a British artist named Insa. The mural covers the whole building. It was the largest mural in LA when he painted it in 2012. Murals were actually illegal then, but I'll get to that later. For now, let's keep walking down the street with art chair to your left. You're going to see a large mural of a Native American woman on your right. Stop when you get there. Take a look at the mural. This was the first city-sponsored graffiti art mural and my first legitimate piece back in 1992. Look up in the top right corner of the mural. See that list of names? Mine's up there. That's my real name, Joseph Montalvo. At the time, the city wasn't down with our street art names, even though they were giving us a chance to paint. You'll see that it also says Earth Crew and not UTI. Earth Crew was a group of us kids that a woman named Helen Samuels put together in 1990. Her grandmother actually studied with Diego Rivera. She hadn't done much art, but saw us writers out on the street and thought we could use our talent to promote positive messages. Unlike my school counselors, Helen Samuels saw our art as a real skill and helped us apply with the Department of Cultural Affairs to get this piece done. We called it Undiscovered America. People were celebrating the quincentennial celebration of Columbus's arrival. We wanted a mural that showed that indigenous people lived here way before that. Okay, now walk along the piece to the left side of it and stop there. See all that tagging along the bottom of the production? It only covers the bottom of the piece because that's as far as riders can reach out without ladders. You might see some discarded paint cans on the ground if someone's been recently tagging. So in the 70s, I would never have gone over a mural, you know, because we felt connected to it. And even if you were a graffiti writer back in the 80s, you know, we wouldn't touch some of those murals because we, we respected art, you know. It was more than just catching fame and, you know, vandalism and bombing and stuff like that. But we were kids that came from neighborhoods that grew up with these murals. So, if anything, we wanted to be on the same level of them or at least be respected as them. So, you know, underneath those tags, there's actually a giant sea turtle. If you look closely under the black, white, gold, and red circle, you can see a tiny bit of one fin poking out. Can you see it? You can make out the light green color and scales. Take a look at the picture on your phone. That was the mural when we just finished it back in 1992. I'm trying to raise money to refurbish this piece, so maybe by the time you're here, it will be shiny and new. Now take a look at the bottom left corner on that wall that juts out. Get up real close and look through the fence. 
See that painting of a small door with an exit sign? That was there before this mural even went up. It was done by a crazy punk rock dude who used to work as a clown and used to put exit signs all over the neighborhood. I always thought of them as doors out of this crazy place. When we put our mural up, I left it there and it still hasn't been touched. It was my way of showing him respect. Okay, keep walking and I'll show you another part of this art piece. Stop up here on your right by the metal gate with barbed wire. Do you see the bubble letters that say undiscovered all the way across the gate? I wrote that here in 1992. The city didn't want us to have text on the Undiscovered America mural because it reminded them of graffiti. So I wrote it over here instead. It looks like it's been undiscovered since 1992 when I put it here. All right, let's keep walking the same direction you were going down for it. Look way down forth as you walk. You can see a bridge up ahead. That's where the Alley River runs through the city. The tradition of street art in LA is strongly tied to my Chicano roots in the neighborhood that is just across that bridge, Boyle Heights. Even in the 1940s, zoo tutors from East LA were tagging their names under Alley River bridges. My dad had a shoeshine business, and he said that he and his friends used to use Shinola, shoeshine paint, to tag their names all around town. My dad's side of the family, art was, uh, art was a part of life. My grandfather's brother was the artist of the family. On the other hand, my mom's side of the family, very factory and agriculturally based workers, although they loved art and culture, they didn't see themselves as producing it. When you get up to the corner where the garage is, turn right and keep walking with the garage on your right. I think my mother did a lot of artistic things. She just didn't recognize it as art. For example, cooking to her was an art form. And so it's not that she didn't want me to pursue art. She just didn't know that there are careers in art. You know, if anything, she at least recognized that I once I started making money off of my art, that I was a little bit more serious about it. You know, like any mother or father, all they want is uh, some stability in their child's life. All right, keep walking down 4th Street. We're going to walk all the way to the next traffic light. Even though the city played a central role in the history of street art, it hasn't always embraced it. After supporting our mural in 1992, the city banned all murals from 2003 to 2013. The city did this to prevent big companies like Nike from painting billboard ads in residential areas. But the downside was that it wound up banning legitimate art as well. Even if we had permission from building owners, the murals were considered illegal and the city would paint over them. Okay, coming up on your left will be a big warehouse complex covered in some of the best street art, not just in LA, but from all over the world. That's the container yard, but I'll get to that later. The mural ban never affected UTI. I mean, we're looking at graffiti art. There was always a ban on it somehow. Law or no law, you know, you're not gonna stop the creative nature of us. You know, I didn't want to break the law. I certainly didn't want to end up in jail. But I knew the consequences of what we were doing and I accepted those. That's something I have to share with my daughter too. She will look at graffiti on the wall sometimes and be like, they didn't ask permission, huh, dad? That's not cool, huh? And I, 
have to kind of explain the complexities of that. You know what the funny thing is? I probably tell my daughter not to be an artist. But if she's serious, I'm gonna get her an art school. I'm gonna do all the things I can to make her the best artist she can be. And she's also gonna know that the art that her dad did was, uh, was groundbreaking. Stop up here at the corner, wait for the walk signal, then cross to the other side of 4th. You'll turn left and walk back up the street the other direction. Turn left and walk back up 4th Street. Since the ban was lifted, there's been an explosion of art around the city, and especially in the Arts District. With all that art, there's been a lot of new investment in the neighborhood. Watch for traffic and cross to the next corner and keep walking. You'll be crossing Seton Street. This warehouse complex on your right, behind the black metal fence, is called the Container Yard. A dude named Ash Cham bought it shortly after the mural ban was lifted. Ash was smart enough to see the value in the real estate around here. The building was once a mochi ice cream factory, but Ash has turned it into a giant canvas for street artists inside and out. He rents it out as an event space. Keep walking up the street and take a look at the container yard walls after the fence ends. I can't tell you what's there now because the work is always changing, but I can guarantee it was done by a world-class street artist. Ash is very selective about the artists who paint here. It's basically the Louvre of street art. Having your work on display here can be life-changing. The Container Yard is a great example of the new businesses that have opened in the Arts District. They are hip and bring an upscale crowd, but they also embrace and encourage the street art scene that made this neighborhood awesome to begin with. In more and more of the old warehouses these days, you'll find unique spaces to make, exhibit, and sell art. Our work is seen as more legitimate now and even embraced by the city. All right, when you get to the next street, make a right. You should see the architecture and design museum on your left. Walk down the street with the parked cars on your right and stop where you see a sign for coffee and the letters TCY on the wall on your right. That's the container yard entrance. Without the dedication of us artists, this neighborhood probably wouldn't have the cool shops, restaurants, and breweries you see around today. New businesses open up all the time and most still maintain the unique and artistic vibe that we helped create in the arts district. If it's open, go on up the small flight of steps and head inside. You can pause me while you explore and push play when you've joined me back outside. Let's keep walking down this street with the container yard on your right. I may not make a lot of money as a street artist, but that's not the reason why I got into this game. I think I've done something valuable with my life and made a difference in the city I call home. My UTI crew just celebrated its 30th anniversary by painting a big mural over on Santa Fe and Olympic. You can see it on your phone right now, but you should check it out in person if you get a chance. It's crazy to think that it's been 30 years. We've seen so many changes in the neighborhood and ourselves. You know, graffiti and my crew was my school. We really pulled together some interesting people. And to this day, I'm proud to be a member of the UTI crew. We were our own teachers and students. Even now, I'm still a student. And that's the thing that allows me to evolve more and be a better artist, not only to, just to bring in the money or anything like that, but because I feel happy about what I do. I feel 
like I'm accomplishing something that's adding to our culture. You know, I've always said graffiti is, is as American as apple pie. But there was a time when I'd be like, yeah, I'm a graffiti artist. Or I'd go to the family events and yeah, I'd write on walls. <laughs> now I could say, yeah, I'm a graffiti artist, you know? That's what I do. Okay, stop in front of the building on your right. It says Art District Co-op above the entrance and you'll see two sets of angel wings on the wall out front. Those angel wings are by Colette Miller and she's here to tell you about them. I started to put up these human-sized angel wings on walls around the City of Angels, Los Angeles in 2012. It came to me as an idea that I wanted to see an image that would remind us that we are the angels of this earth. So I started it illegally, actually, and I had my friends kind of do lookout, and they became really popular. And so I started to get requests from all over the globe, and they've taken me to Cuba and Kenya, Embassy Row. And now I call it the Global Angel Wings Project. If you look closely, the wings are actually pre-painted on paper that I paste up onto the wall and molded into the surface, almost like you would do paper mache. It's a collaborative situation and people interact with the wings and I've seen such amazing photos come out like ballerinas from New York or politicians like the mayors here in LA. I'm just grateful and happy to give people the opportunity to take flight, even for a moment. So go ahead and take a picture in front of the wings to see what I mean. Thanks, Colette. We have a lot of angels here in the Arts District, and I've told you about some of them today, like Joel Bloom, my UTI crew, Dash One, rest in peace, and Helen Samuels. They all helped make this place what it is and left their mark on it literally. I like to think that some of my art will be here one day after I'm gone, and my grandkids can look at my walls like undiscovered Americans say, my grandfather did that. His life meant something. That's really what's given my life meaning and validation. It sounds kind of weak, but I mean, it has. <laughs> it's, it's validated me and my life, you know. I made a difference. I made a change. Si se puede. I'll leave you here at the co-op. Thanks for walking with me today. I hope you are inspired to explore the Arts District some more on your own. This is Nuke One from the UTI crew, born in Los Angeles, and I'm out. <laughs>